Welcome to the Old Ways for the New Age podcast, where we are embracing ancient ways of being and opening our hearts to the magic of everyday life. We are your hosts, Christy and Hannah. Join us as we romance the ordinary, re-enchant our own lives with plant magic and get ourselves back to the garden. Before we get into the podcast, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the unceded land on which we live, work and record, the Wanjaraburra people. We wish to honour their elders past, present and emerging and recognise their continued connection to the land, sea and community. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, This is Hannah and I'm about to walk you through this week's episode. It's a very exciting one. We're in February now, and we are going to be talking a little bit about love, particularly self-love, rituals around self-love, but I'm also going to be firstly jumping into a discussion around aphrodisiac herbs, what they actually are, how we should really be using them. I'm going to talk about Venusian Venusian and Plutonic herbs and how they support uh, effective sexual health and well-being, and... I'm going to talk to you a little bit about a new offering of mine that comes out every uh, Valentine's Day roundabouts, and that's the Aphrodite's Rose Tonic Blend. Christy's going to take you through the astrological forecast for this season, for, you know, the next week at least. And she's also going to share some fascinating mythology around selkies and then some beautiful self-love rituals that you can uh, participate in and do at home to help encourage a deep sense of self-love and really just care and tenderness for yourself. We want you to feel amazing in your skin. And so she's going to be talking a little bit about some rituals you can do with salt and scrubbing. And then excitingly, Christy's also going to touch a little bit on our brand new offering, which is coming very, very soon. And they are called Green Witch Rituals or Green Witch Sessions. And these are plant spirit immersion sessions and they're very experiential. They'll only be for in-person sessions. And we're so excited to be offering them to you. So stay tuned uh, right until the end and hear her talk about that. And we'll be sharing more about this in future weeks as well. I hope you enjoy this week's podcast and we'll talk to you soon. So let's get into talking about aphrodisiac herbs. Uh, First, I would like to start by defining aphrodisiacs, and I'm going to share a definition from one of my favorite herbalists, Jim McDonald. He's a herbalist from the States, and his definition is so inclusive. Uh, this This is what he says about aphrodisiacs. He calls them something that creates greater sensation and presence and enjoyment in sexuality. Now, I highly recommend that If you're new to Jim's work, or even if you're not new to Jim's work and you just haven't listened to it yet, please jump over to the Mountain Rose Herbs podcast and listen to his Energetics of Aphrodisiacs part one and two. They are long sessions. It's actually a recording of him giving a talk. However, it is so worth it. And I recommend you listen to it yourself or, you know, share it with a partner as well. It's great for that uh, because he goes into more than just the simple aphrodisiac herb content. He really talks about the dynamics of relationships and sexual relationships. So definitely go and have a listen to those. You will not regret it. Now, I think the problem with aphrodisiacs is they're a selling point. They're a marketing tool and it is also kind of a lazy way of trying to enhance your sex life uh, in a way that really doesn't amplify anything uh, in the long term. 
So a lot of people try to use them as a band-aid, like a tool to just increase sexual desire in the moment, but it's not actually addressing any of the underlying health conditions or issues that might be contributing to lowered sexual desire or function. And this is part of why I love the way that Jim talks about aphrodisiacs, because he really believes, as I do as well, that they should be, he calls them catalysts. He said plants should be catalysts rather than being forceful uh, and just achieving something that you want. It should be something that stimulates like a greater sense of health and well-being. And he believes that they should be used holistically. So he calls it an ecosystem model or an ecosystemic model, I believe. And he's really just talking about it being really holistic. So instead of saying, I need help with my libido, I'm just going to take horny goat weed or whatever it is that you choose. Damiana is a common one. Actually, how is the relationship with the person that you're wanting to have sexual contact with or even your relationship with yourself or you know, what is your environment like? How are you eating? How's your diet? Uh, how's your mental health? Like, let's look at all of the factors that contribute to lowered sexual desire or lowered libido or sexual dysfunction rather than just looking for an aphrodisiac that's going to offer temporary, possibly temporary pleasure, uh, but not actually fix the problem. So I went through some of my herbal actions and tried to think of a lot of the ways that I would want to work with a client in regards to supporting a healthy sexual experience. And so we want to look at nutritive or nourishing herbs or also looking at a diet in that way. How can we get as much nutrition into you as possible? Because when a body is drained of nutrition and it's tired and it's overworked, it's not going to want to enjoy itself sexually because that is not a necessary function for survival. And actually being in a state of fight or flight can suppress ovulation and other cause other health issues in regards to reproductive organs. Because think about it, if you were running from a tiger, your body doesn't need to have a baby in that moment. In fact, it's actually not even safe for a baby to come into the world in that moment. So it really shuts down ovulation and prevents you from falling pregnant whilst you're escaping a threat, which makes sense. However, we live in a state of sympathetic nervous system dominance these days, most of us, and it's really not contributing to a healthy sex life or state of sexual well-being. So another thing we would want to look at is supporting the vital force. So look at those kidneys, kidney support, look at the jing, that life force that exists within you. The thing that, you know, you look at someone and they glow, that's vital force. They exude this like confidence and happiness and just this radiant health. And so going alongside the kidneys, we want to support elimination channels. We want to make sure your lymphatic circulation is flowing and we want to make sure that you are going to the toilet enough and supporting digestion and getting a good sweat every now and again. Well, not every now and again, regularly. <laughs> and just really supporting all of those channels of elimination so that we don't have any buildup of metabolic wastes or toxins that we're exposed to in our everyday environments. Because remember as well, we can be as low toxin in our homes as we want to be, but when we're out in public, we are at the mercy of exhaust fumes and all sorts of things that we don't anticipate and often don't think about. So 
uh, yeah, supporting those elimination channels is really important. Supporting circulation is really important and blood health and blood flow because things don't happen down there if we don't have good blood flow and circulation and healthy blood. So making sure, again, we correct any deficiencies we might have and supporting that. Um, we want to make sure that blood pressure is good and healthy and within range and actually our ideal range. We also would look at astringents, which actually Jim talks a lot about using astringents as aphrodisiacs because they restore tone. So think about perhaps prolapsed uteruses or um, any sort of relaxed state of tissue and actually lowered libido and like lowered sexual appetite and and a, a place where we would want to use aphrodisiac herbs is actually more of like a damp relaxation tissue state. Actually makes astringents perfect as aphrodisiacs. Uh, also we want to look at aromatic herbs so like you know warm aromatics and also perhaps some gentle stimulants and also some moistening and demulcent herbs to get everything flowing and working properly. So uh, yeah, these are some of the actions, just some of the actions that we would want to look at when choosing aphrodisiac herbs. You might also want to look at herbs that support hormones and get hormones corrected if something's out of range. And again, the environment around you. So are you feeling really good in your space? Is there mood lighting? Is there music? Are there nice clean sheets? Does it smell good? What's the environment that you're wanting to have these experiences in? And does it facilitate a really lovely connection either with yourself or with a partner? So as you can see, there's a lot more that goes into using and choosing aphrodisiac herbs than just horny goat weed is supposed to be good. <laughs> um, also, if we're bringing in the astroherbalism aspect to this, we would be looking at plutonic slash scorpionic herbs and then also Libran and Venusian herbs. So these these planets and signs correspond with sexual organs, blood, bowels, again there's your elimination channels, but also lower back, kidneys, reproductive organs, endocrine system, all of the things and channels that we just discussed. So what are some of the herbs that I would choose? If we actually are looking at aphrodisiacs now that we've talked about some of the considerations we might make before choosing these herbs. Also, as a note that's important to consider is what is your constitution like? Do you know if you run hot, cold, damp, you know, dry? What What is your personal constitution? Because that really does determine whether a herb is right for you or not. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about Venusian herbs. So Libran slash Venusian herbs, that tissue state that we're looking at is dry, damp slash relaxation tissue states. Um, and some of the herbs we might use in this case is Damiana, which is a classic. Rose, one of our favorites, as you probably already know. Violets, yarrow, which is an astringent. Nettle, which is drying, which is kind of nice for that damp state. Uh, rose hips, hibiscus, which actually has quite a history as an aphrodisiac and supporting blood. Catnip, ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen, which is another herbal action we want to look at in this case. We then would be looking at our plutonic scorpionic herbs, which the tissue state for that would be damp stagnation again. Um, so this is more that stagnation rather than the relaxation. So 
herbs we might use in this case include rosemary, nettle again, damiana again, hibiscus again, some oats, milky oats, and tribulus. These are just some. These are just some herbs, but they're ones that I particularly enjoy using and think would be fantastic and also are quite uh, easy to get a hold of and pleasant tasting in most cases. I will say, if you haven't really heard it yet, I'm a bit of a freak for milky oats. I think they're fantastic. I think that we should pretty much all be using them and they are an example of a nutritive herb. And nutritive is kind of a term that isn't used a lot anymore, but it's coming back in. And it just means deeply nourishing. And particularly, it has an affinity for the nervous system. Because again, if we're stressed or if we're anxious, it can definitely put a downer on our ability to enjoy ourselves sexually. A herb that I think should get an honorary mention or a special mention is Shadavari, which actually traditionally is known as, I think, the woman with a thousand husbands or something. Look it up. But that is how it's referred to. But it basically is a moistening adaptogen. And this just goes to show where energetics is so important because you can have 10 different adaptogens and they could all be different and all be appropriate in different situations. But the Shadavari being moistening and adaptogenic is going to increase fluids and decrease stress and the impact of stress on the body. And that is just pretty perfect for this kind of situation. So overall, some ways that we could use these herbs in our everyday life is topically as an oil or as a bath, uh, either as a bath tea or in bath salts or however you want to use it in that way. Also as creams topically. We can use them as tinctures or tonics, things that we drink or imbibe. We can diffuse them in the air. We can also make strong tea infusions with them and infuse them into food. So I do hope that this gives you a bit more perspective on, first of all, what goes through a herbalist's mind when they are choosing herbs for a client, but also how we might be using and abusing aphrodisiac herbs. So Rose is going to come up a lot on this podcast. It's one of our favorite herbs and uh, I have an exciting offering coming out. So if you didn't already know, I have a business called Grown Botanicals where I hand blend and handcraft organic herbal teas and also these things called tonic blends. And tonic blends are basically medicinal hot chocolates, medicinal cacao, and I blend them, formulate them with herbs and medicinal mushrooms. And I have a limited edition one coming out, uh, which is called Aphrodite's Rose. It only comes out once a year in February. And it's still on pre-order until the 14th of February, and then they'll send out from then. And it's a powder. You add it to warmed milk. You can bake with it, add it into a smoothie. It's got grated cacao butter in it, so it makes it nice and creamy. This one has tremella mushroom and rose powder and cinnamon, and it basically tastes like a Turkish delight. Uh, and it's just really magical. So I just wanted to let you know that if this is something that you're interested in, and you really particularly have an interest in those warming aromatics that I discussed earlier, circulatory stimulants, but also the heart opening action of rose, then this would be perfect for you. I'm going to hand over to Christy and let her guide you out with her beautiful forecast for the next astrological week and also her tales of the Selkies and her beautiful self-love rituals, which I am definitely trying. <laughs> Hi guys, Christy here. Let's talk about cosmic weather for this week. 
So this week we have Mercury entering Aquarius on the weekend and Mercury stays there until the 2nd of March. So you might find now that there's an agility with your future plans and you can finally move forward on some of your really long held plans as well. This freeing up of energy feels really, really good. We also have Venus meeting Neptune in Pisces on Valentine's Day, the most romantic day of the year. Venus and Neptune meet in the depths of the sea of love. It's a day to share what you're best at, your passionate views, your caring outlook on people, celebrate self-love, spoil yourself, really embrace this energy, whether you are in a romantic relationship with someone else or just with yourself. We also have at the same time the third quarter or waning moon in Scorpio. So it's actually a really great time to focus on letting go of negative self-talk, image, beliefs and practices and letting more self-love, nurturing and even pampering come in. So Scorpios shed their skin as part of a rebirth process. And I think we go through, we all go through this process time and time again. So using it as part of the self-care routine and imbuing the ritual with your intention can really help you move past some stagnant energy. And it actually reminds me of the ancient Celtic myths about Selkies, which is one of my favorite myths. So Selkies are mythological beings capable of changing from seal to human form by shedding their skin. So the folktales generally revolve around females when they come out of the sea as seals. They shed their skin and take on a human form and then they fall in love and usually they get married and have children and many years go by and then they find or their children help them find their seal skin and when they put their seal skin back on they return to the sea and disappear. Sometimes for good, sometimes they come back to visit once a year. There's actually a lot to unwrap in this myth um, but I chose to share it here just briefly because it's inspired a beautiful ritual for physical and energetic shedding of the skin to do with this particular astrological movement um, with sea salt as a sea salt scrub. But first, before we get into that, let's start talking about love because it is Valentine's Day this week and I wanted to talk specifically about self-love. I'd like to start off with a quote by Phyllis Kuro, which I adore. It's one of my most favorite quotes. Most people know intuitively that when you fall in love, the world is full of magic. But what they don't know is that when you discover the universe is full of magic, you fall in love with the world. I feel like this quote helps us to see the world through a different lens because when you're living from your heart, every moment in the world brings you back to another chance to fall in love, not just with yourself, but also with the world around you. So let's talk about what self-love actually means. I did a little Google search for this and <laughs> there, there was a lot. My favorite was actually, self-love is finding peace within ourselves, resting comfortably within the depths of our own being. I thought that was really beautiful. To me, self-love at its core means accepting yourself fully. It doesn't mean trying to make yourself better or looking at your faults and trying to improve. It means loving yourself just the way that you are and accepting yourself fully. And it also means treating yourself with kindness and respect. And that's not just with your thoughts and feelings, but also with your actions. It's how you treat yourself. It means taking good care of yourself, having good boundaries, prioritizing yourself. It means giving yourself a break from self-judgment <laughs> occasionally. And it means trusting yourself, being true to yourself, simply just even being nice to yourself. And most of all, I think it means forgiving yourself when you aren't doing those things. So the ways that you could practice self-love would be to become more mindful to start with. So really check in with yourself. People with 
People who have more self-love tend to know what they think and feel and it's really important for you to discover yourself, to peel back the layers and actually really embrace your authentic self. Find out what it is that makes you truly the happiest, specific to you. It's also taking actions based on need rather than want. I think that's really, really healthy and it's practicing good self-care. So you love yourself more when you take better care of your basic needs. It's putting self-care on the top of the list or at least near the top of the list. So the other morning I was thinking about all the tasks I had to do that day and I was getting a bit overwhelmed and not feeling very excited about the day. And I suddenly realized that I don't, I didn't have any time for joy in this day. There was nothing on my list that made me feel like, oh yes, that's exciting. I really want to do that. I think this is really common. And so what I actually did was I put up the top, find joy in little ways throughout the day. What's the point of going through a day when it's completely task orientated and you have no joy in it? And of course, we, we have responsibilities, we have things we must do, but we can change the way that we do them by looking for the joy in each thing. So where are ways that you can find joy in little ways throughout your day? I think that's good self-care as well. Making room for healthy habits is another really good one. So actually starting to truly care for yourself. This is your body. It's the only one that you have. Why treat it badly? Show yourself that love. Okay, so one of the ways that we can do this is a really beautiful ritual. So this weekend, I invite you to do a salt body scrub. Bring yourself some of this loving in and remove some of the negativity. The benefit of a salt scrub is that it not only helps to exfoliate the skin, but it also encourages detoxification by stimulating your lymphatic system, which in turn helps your immunity. Bonus, it really helps your body's natural detoxification process. It eliminates stagnant toxins. And I feel like it just has this beautiful symmetry with the conceptual idea of shedding your skin. You're actually really shedding your skin as well as energetically shedding your skin. Salt's actually a form of crystal and it's really effective in clearing and purifying. So that means purifying the, the aura and the chakras as well. It's not just purification on a physical level, but also on an energetic level as well. All right, so the salt ritual for the recipe. All you need is one cup of sea salt. You could use pink Himalayan sea salt for this. I actually prefer to use Celtic sea salt. I feel like it just goes so well with the whole salt selkie myth. It's beautiful. And the fine Celtic sea salt actually feels really beautiful on the skin too. You don't want something that's going to be really coarse. Salt can actually be quite sharp and that's far too harsh for the skin. And you can find Celtic sea salt quite easily online too. So you take one cup of the salt, a quarter cup of oil. You could use olive oil if you have nothing else at home. Fractionated coconut oil also works really well. Avocado oil, almond oil. If you want to scent it, I would put 10 drops of essential oil in the oil first, in the, the carrier oil to dilute it before you add that to the salt. You only need about 10 drops of essential oil, you don't need much. Generally, I would recommend for this sort of thing, citrus oils or peppermint, something really fresh and clearing. But for this recipe in particular, I think rose is the key. Rose is such a great ally for love, for self-love in particular, and for healing the heart. So you could pop some rose essential oil into that, or you could add, I mean, you could do both as well. You could add one tablespoon of ground botanicals, like the ground, like ground up rose petals. You could change it up for other rituals, but for this one, I would use rose petals and you could forego the essential oil if you're not happy to use essential oils and just use the ground up rose petals. 
Um, and of course you can do both if you really want. So it gives you the beautiful energetic properties of rose as well by doing this. And I think using roses from the garden would be amazing if you have them. Just heighten energetic magic. Mix it all together in a beautiful bowl. Jar up any excess that you don't use. So take the bowl. I generally use a wooden bowl for this because I feel like it just <laughs> takes away the risk of dropping the bowl and breaking it in the bathroom. Okay, so now the ritual. What you want to do is you want to set the scene in the bathroom. So light some candles, turn it into a really beautiful ritual. Lock the door, make this time for you. What I usually do is I use the shower and the bathtub. So I'll run the bath and get the room all steamy. I'll put some rose petals in the bath water. And then what I do is I stand in the shower and you get a handful of salt. You start at your feet and you work your way up to your heart. And then you start at your hands and work back towards your heart as well. And you could do your neck very gently, don't do your face, and move down to your heart from there too. You want to go in counterclockwise motions. And as you're doing this, I want you to think of all the negative self-talk that you tell yourself. I want you to think of all the times someone said something to you that was negative, something that hurt your feelings, any memories that have really stuck with you that you've taken on into yourself and haven't been able to let go of. Anytime you felt embarrassment, shame, anything that has contributed to a negative self-image of yourself. And then once you finish scrubbing, hop in the shower and wash the salt away. And as you do that, just imagine all that negativity just washing away with the salt down the drain. Then do the same thing again, but this time use clockwise motions. And this time thinking of all of the things that you love about yourself, saying them out loud, saying all the beautiful things that you wish other people had said to you. Say them to yourself, even out loud. And then you could either rinse it off again or jump in the bath. I actually prefer to do that. I prefer to get in the bath because then all the salt comes off my body and goes into the water and it makes the, the water charged with all those positive emotions and affirmations. And if you wanted to add another element, this is also a great time to do what is generally called a glamour, but I prefer to call it mirror work. So if you can find yourself a beautiful handheld mirror, something that you only use for this kind of thing, but you treasure it, it's gorgeous, you love this mirror, it's something really special. Whilst you're in the bath, take the mirror and just gaze at yourself. And again, repeat all those things that you love about yourself. Really tell yourself how much you love yourself, why you love the things that you love about yourself. And it's also a really good time here to actually say the things that you forgive yourself for. And you'll probably cry at this point. <laughs> so think of the times where you've judged yourself harshly and release those. Forgive yourself for them. Let them go. There are also a couple of little spells or affirmations that you can say whilst you're doing this as well or to end the ritual. There are two that I got out of this beautiful book called Romancing the Ordinary by Sarah Van Brethnack. It's a beautiful book. I recommend everyone to read it. So the first one, I'm going to use the name Sarah as an example, and you would obviously put your own name in place of Sarah. By the power of fire, be magical, Sarah. By the power of water, be beautiful, Sarah. By the power of earth, be who you are, Sarah. By the power of air, be all that you wish to be, Sarah. By the power of the goddess, so mote it be, three times three. That's quite a very traditional Wiccan spell. Um, if that's not your vibe, the other is more of an affirmation, and you can kind of change the words a little bit to suit. Radiant health and confidence shine. Illuminate this face of mine. Bold, beautiful, sassy, brave, and smart. 
I inspire faith while winning all hearts. And also just keep in mind that this is not about winning hearts in a romantic way. It's more about showing our true selves to the world and having the faith and confidence that we're going to be well received. A lot of us carry that wound that we're not going to be well received by the world, that we're going to be judged or even going to be judged quite harshly in fact. And a lot of times we actually remember the times that we have been judged harshly and it becomes more of like a survival mode to hide away a little bit. So I love that this affirmation is about having faith that you can show up and be received in a kind way and just change the words around, you know, maybe bold, beautiful, sassy, etc. doesn't feel resonant to you. So, so insert words that actually feel more resonant. And that's the ritual. So Hannah actually touched on Rose. And the reason why I chose Rose is Rose is such a great ally for this sort of work. We have two episodes where we dive much deeper into Rose and we'll link those in the show notes so that you can have a listen to those as well. But the more you delve into a relationship with Rose, the more you love her and the more she loves you. So if you want to learn how to work more with the spirit of Rose, we're actually really excited to announce that our Green Witch Rituals will be releasing next week. And one of the focus for these is Rose. So it's a ritual designed to be an immersion into the plant not only the physical plant, but the plant spirit as well. We will have three options to choose from, rose, yarrow, and elderflower. And which one you choose will be dependent on the kind of experience that you wish to have. The ritual includes a meditation, an elixir made with the plant and flower essence as well, and more, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So keep an eye out for those being released this week on our socials, the Bohemian Farmhouse and Hannah's Instagram socials, and we'll link those in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us and for listening in. We know your time is sacred and special, and we appreciate you spending yours with us. Please feel free to go ahead and follow us on Instagram at oldwaysforthenewage underscore podcast to see more of what we talk about here. We hope you'll join us next time. Until then, bye for now.